Inestec and Ingenieria Radio present Inestec Science Bit, a monthly signature dedicated to decode science and technology trends. Inestec Science Bits, decoding science bit by bit. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Science Bits, a podcast promoted by Inesc Tech and Ingenieria Radio that tries to go further into the main trends in science and technology. Did you know that proportionally we have more knowledge about the surface of the moon than we have about the deep sea? Since the ocean and the blue economy are top priorities in Portugal and in the European Union, new solutions have to be designed to help to increase the activity at the ocean in a more effective and lucrative way. And to understand a little bit more about why is it so difficult to gather information from underwater surfaces and what Inesc has been working on to solve all those issues, we have with us today two guests uh, who work as researchers at the forefront of these subjects. Rui Campos works at the Center for Telecommunications and Multimedia and Bruno Ferreira at the Center for Robotics and Autonomous Systems. And welcome both. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for this uh, invitation to participate in this uh, episode of, of Science Bits. It's my pleasure to be here and share my thoughts about this uh, very important topic for Portugal, Europe and the whole world. Hello, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you both. So today uh, we will be talking about exploring and exploiting the bottom of the ocean. Uh, the Portuguese are, are known to be adventurous uh, at sea and history has shown us that uh, we have a, a strong international role by just learning how to communicate effectively while being far away in the ocean, for instance. What are, what are you, for you, what are the main restrictions in exploring the deep sea oceans nowadays? Hui? Yes, uh, th thanks for, for, for the, 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 this first question. Uh, yeah, the, the ocean, as, as everybody knows, is, is a very harsh environment, uh, which challenges a lot uh, the human physical presence at sea. So, uh, however, humans, and especially the Portuguese, as you, as you said, Uh, have always taken advantage of the ocean, uh, mostly for fishing and trading uh, in the past and, and more recently for other activities like surfacing, surfing and, and, and so on. Uh, as we all Portuguese know, during the Discovery's time, the, the ocean was key to establish uh, the new trade routes, especially to India, and this was a, a, like a, a milestone achieved for, by the Europeans by that time. Uh, today, the ocean is, is still key for the, the world economy, uh, and uh, maybe some of you don't know, but the maritime transportation uh, is responsible currently for more than 90% of the world's trade markets. Uh, so to, to give you an idea with respect to Portugal, every day, uh, 400 ships, uh, cargo ships, uh, sail along our coasts. So uh, these are the, the basically the the main routes that are passing here along our coast. So the, the maritime transportation and the sea is, is still key in, in, in the 21st century, like it was in, in, the, in, the, in the 15th and, and 16th century for us. Uh, but the ocean is not limited to fishing, trading, surfing, and, and the other more or less traditional activities that uh, I have already referred. So, um, 
they, and usually they, these activities take place at surface, but there, there is almost an unknown world underwater, especially in deep sea waters. And uh, the, challenge, the challenge for, for us here is, is how to monitor, survey, explore and exploit the ocean and especially the deep sea in a cost-effective way. And I will come back to that in, 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 a, in a minute. So the, the Portuguese sea has depths that can reach uh, 6,000 meters, uh, especially if you consider the extension of the Portuguese continental shelf underway. So Portugal has, has an application uh, submitted to the United Nations to extend his, his, uh, its continental shelf, uh, uh, which, which is under evaluation at the moment in, in the United Nations, as I, I, I've said. So if approved, Portugal will become a territory of 4.1 million square kilometers. This means that we will basically be a country of water. This will mean 97% of water and only 3% of dry land. So the, this whole territory is basically the size of Europe's dry land. So this is a huge territory that uh, uh, we need to, to consider and to take into account. And uh, the importance of this large territory is, uh, we can think about it at the three levels, geopolitical, economic, and scientific. Uh, and let me start with the geopolitical level. So at this level, Portugal will become one of the largest countries in the world, about the size of India. So this is very important because people usually uh, think that Portugal is small and we are always saying that that we are a small country with only 10 million people and so on. But with this extension and this huge uh, territory, uh, mainly uh, water uh, and all the resources that we, we know are there, will uh, make Portugal uh, or put Portugal in a different level, at a different level in terms of geopolitical uh, issues. From, on the other hand, uh, from the economic point of view, it's known that there are plenty of raw materials at sea bottom yet to be explored, uh, which will uh, most probably bring a great economic value uh, to, to the country and a new uh, business models and new uh, resources to be explored. And finally, for, from the scientific point of view, there is a great margin to discover new species, new raw materials that can be used for new medicines, for example, and also a great interest in studying and monitoring the ocean, uh, mostly for better understanding climate change phenomena that is uh, in, uh, uh, currently a very important issue, and the orig origins of the planet and life, for example. So the sovereignty of, of over all this territory, territory sorry, uh, requires the, the means for surveillance, monitoring, exploration, and exploitation, as I, was, uh, as I started with. So this, this cannot be done using only traditional manned means, like uh, manned ships, like we have with our Navy, manned aircrafts that we have with our Air Force, and also manned air, uh, submarines. Th there is a, a clear need for a paradigm shift where robotics will have a key role here. Uh, so the use of autonomous vehicles uh, acting as sensors and actuators as well, for instance, when it comes to deep sea mining, and IoT at sea, will be crucial for supporting ubiquitous human presence at sea. Uh, and with this, uh, we'll have the human eyes and arms at sea, but without the risks of being there physically. And in a, uh, we, will, we will achieve this in a cost-effective way that we cannot achieve with 
only with meant, uh, means, as I, I, I've said. Communications, uh, which is the field I work in, uh, will guarantee that we keep in touch with these autonomous vehicles and IoT devices in real time and remotely at the safer place. Because, uh, of course, uh, the humans uh, usually like more to be on land than, than to be at sea because of all the risks that you have if you are at sea in this very harsh environment. So to, to accomplish this, and this is to, to finalize the answer to this first, your first question, uh, we need technology, and especially robotics and telecommunications uh, uh, technologies uh, in these two domains, where there are plenty of open research challenges, uh, and, and this is where we are working on, in addressing these challenges. So, uh, in short, uh, we can say that in spite of all you explained and described us, there are actually no good solutions or, or any solutions to respond to broadband and cost-effective internet uh, wireless access at remote ocean areas, uh, even if we're talking the communications area or even in the robotics field, right? Uh, so... You work in telecommunications, so explain us a little bit. How did this interest for the matter start, and how do you plan to, to solve these issues? Yeah, uh, you're right. There are plenty of, of, of gaps to fill in here, uh, and uh, it's as I've said, it's, it's in the communications area, but also in the robotics area, and, and Bruno uh, we'll, we'll talk about it for sure uh, next uh, regarding his expertise. But, uh, but let me start by, by saying that uh, uh, the, 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 RN, uh, the research and development in telecommunications area has a long tradition at UNESCO Tech, and, and it all started with the, with the foundation of, of UNESCO in Porto back in 1985. So uh, by then we already uh, started to, to research in this uh, area, but by then we, we were mostly focused on, on telecommunications for, uh, for, for people and where people live, which is on land, not at sea, and mostly, so this was the, the main target by then. But uh, uh, let, let me explain you a little bit the, the story of, of our research in this, in this uh, area of maritime communications, because we, uh, we, in 2012, we, after I finished my PhD, I was looking for, for new challenges and new problems, new research problems to, to, to be solved. And while reading some papers, I realized there was a, a potential yet to be explored in, in this domain, in the maritime communications domain, uh, either at surface or, or underwater. There was a, a gap to be filled in clearly. So, uh, and it, it's, uh, this, this domain is actually a research niche in, in telecommunications uh, area. With, with a relative low number of research groups addressing these topics around the world. Uh, and why does this happen? Uh, because communicating at sea is not the same as on land. We, we have the waves, we have different uh, topography, uh, and the water itself uh, that, that brings new challenges when it's when, when, with respect, for example, to the radio signal propagation uh, in the, this environment, which, which puts uh, researchers uh, or, or uh, brings up to the researchers uh, doing uh, work in this field uh, new challenges and new uh, problems to be solved. So, and, and in particular, in particular, sorry, uh, 
by then we identified a clear gap regarding broadband communication solutions at sea, as I've said, either at surface or underwater. And let me briefly explain you or tell you the story uh, where we started um, at surface and also underwater, and we tried to cover all all these uh, or these two environments at sea. So at surface, we realized there were no solutions available apart from expensive and narrowband satellite communications, and also cellular communications very close to shore uh, when you are very close to shore, and uh, the traditional. VHF analog radios that fishermen and and uh, and all people sailing at sea use for voice only communications. This is very important, of course, for them to be in touch with 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 land. But uh, it's it's a very limited uh, communication uh, solution. So, and and by then we also realized there were a few research works uh, developed uh, around the world, and, and they were mostly uh, 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 happening in Asia and Europe. Uh, and inspired by this, we, we set up an internal research project called MARFI uh, in partnership with, with a fishing company here in, in Porto and, and also Porto Digital. So the, by then, uh, they, they were the responsible entity and still are the, the responsible entity for the public internet access in the city, Wi-Fi hotspots and so on. And we, we, with this partnership, we, we basically set up a project that we use, we, we use to, to start investigating new uh, innovative maritime communication solutions, especially targeting broadband and, and uh, uh, targeting also the internet access uh, in, in, uh, in high speed uh, and bring this internet ac access to the fishing ships uh, sailing along the Portuguese coast. Uh, this was very important to kickstart the process and, and to let us know how it works at sea, uh, what are the challenges, in, even regarding deployment of solutions and so on. And after this uh, successful internal project, we, we established a new partnership by then uh, with a funded project with, with Wavecom, uh, an SME from, from Portugal, and the Portuguese Navy. Uh, and this was the, the Marcom project funded by P2020 program where we could uh, do actual technology development uh, built upon the, the work that we did in MARFI uh, projects previously. And, and the, 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 the project was very successful, and the, the Portuguese Navy, uh, after the, the final demo we did in the, in the naval base in Lisbon in, in 2018, uh, showed very much interest in the, in the solution. And, uh, Actually, we start discussing uh, follow-up projects, and currently we have an European project uh, under evaluation related to this. So this was uh, uh, basically a, a continuous work that we did, starting from the MARFI project and then coming uh, uh, or following to the, the MARCOM and now with the European project. And, and uh, uh, let me just... Uh, to, to finalize this part of, of the surface and uh, the, the, the issues that we, we found at the surface, we let me tell you about the, the, the other project that we did at an international level funded by the EA Grants program uh, called the Blue Compass project that we, we, we run together with IPMA and Marlow, a Norwegian company, where we tried uh, to go a step further with respect to Marco. So the, the goal of the project was, was to create uh, a high altitude network of tether balloons to bring 
the broadband communications to the sea for humans and things. Uh, things you can think about IoT and especially robots. As I have said in the beginning, uh, since we, we ex expect to have more and more robots in, at the ocean, uh, we need to serve them with uh, great communications, with good communications uh, solutions. Uh, uh, this project was very successful. Uh, Actually, it was a landmark, I would say, in the in the in the state of the art uh, by then, and uh, or it, it established a landmark in the state of the art by then, and it it had a great impact in in the media. We had more than 130 news published at the national and international level, and uh, we took the chance to give some radio interviews and some interviews to newspapers, where people showed very very a lot of interest on the on this uh, project and the solutions that we worked out and also scientifically uh, we we got uh, lots of citations and we still are getting so lots of citations to to the papers the scientific papers that we published uh, uh, in this uh, along this this uh, project and uh, the, the, the the actually this project established uh, uh, or established yeah established a breakthrough when it comes to broadband internet access for humans and things offshore uh, we managed to show that we were able to do high-quality video conferences for uh, more than 40, kilom 40 kilometers from shore uh, with colleagues uh, situated on land. And also, we showed that it was possible to have robots and especially, specifically autonomous vehicles uh, uploading data in real time to the cloud while they were doing a, a mission at sea. Uh, so this was mostly, uh, so far, uh, a short story about what we did uh, at the surface for improving the, the communication scene, let's say, uh, at sea. But underwater, there are also the same or even bigger challenges to, to address. And uh, uh, we also found in 2012, lots of, of open research challenges that we we need to address and particularly uh, again for regarding broadband communications underwater uh, basically underwater you find three ways or three means for communicating using acoustics radio or optical uh, wireless acoustics are, are by far the, the most used solution due to their long range but uh, the, the bit rates or the speeds that you you can achieve are very very low so uh, for broadband, they, they, they don't work actually. So when you need to transmit lots of data from a vehicle, for example, autonomous vehicles uh, doing some mission underwater, for example. Uh, so the research community has been investigating other alternatives uh, and uh, most of them, most of the community is looking at optical as the major alternative to, uh, alternative to acoustics. But uh, in, from, our, from our perspective, uh, and we, we already had this perspective in, uh, in 2012, uh, sorry, uh, when we started to look into, into this, uh, there, there are, by then we, we found that there were very few works investigating the other alternative, the, the radio communications underwater. And the reason for this is that radio underwater doesn't work quite well. So in terms of range, you, you, you don't have a big, range, a big radio range or you basically have short range communications with, with the radio. But we thought, we thought by then, and we still are convinced that radio communications can be very relevant for short range communications and can be used in complement to other technologies such as acoustics and optical. So 
taking this, this vision into configuration, uh, we, we also started a, a, an internal project called by then UnderFi to start investigating on underwater radio communications. Uh, uh, so eight years ago. Uh, we did some research in lab and in real environment in order to prove ourselves and to the community that uh, radio actually has uh, a role and can play a role in contactless and short-range broadband communications underwater. And, and the, this scenario was actually explored in another project uh, funded by EA Grants program uh, called Endure uh, Project, uh, when we, where we also participated together with, uh, with our robotics uh, colleagues or our colleagues from robotics, sorry, uh, and uh, and we, we run this project also with uh, together with Dipma and, and Marlow, uh, the same Norwegian company. So to to, to finalize uh, uh, with respect to this and, and tell you also the the story that we we, we built along these eight years. Uh, more recently, we are we are running a, a, another project. Uh, funded by FCT, uh, where we are trying to explore these short-range communications and also the concept of data milling. So what, what does it mean? Uh, data milling, we are basically exploring the, the following. Uh, let's assume that we have a, a submarine, autonomous submarine doing some mission underwater at the sea bottom, for instance, doing some survey uh, to find some, some material or some species. And you need to transmit the data, the video data that this uh, device or vehicle is is, is capturing, uh, and uh, as as fast as possible. So if you use uh, acoustics or optical or radio directly, uh, in, with acoustics you don't have the speed that you need, and with the optical and radio you have uh, uh, the not that much range to reach the surface. So you need another solution. And what we are trying to explore is to have small vehicles that go and meet the the, the bigger autonomous submarine and download this data and bring it to, to the surface and go back again and so on. So we are trying to develop uh, a new approach and, and a new solution to have this data available with, faster at the surface with, of course, the advantages of having this data uh, faster at the surface and, and, and helping in taking decisions uh, uh, with according to the data that was captured by the, the bigger the bigger uh, submarine so and, and let me say that when available this solution uh, developing this project the grow project will be a breakthrough as well so uh, when it comes to broadband and the water wireless communication so we are convinced that we will uh, achieve here a great milestone with respect to the work that we have been developing and also within the community and we will established basically a breakthrough, as I've said. So, to conclude, we, with all this past and current research work, uh, we have been walking down the road towards uh, making affordable broadband internet access and IoT a reality at sea. This is basically uh, what we are trying to achieve. Well, thank you. It's really interesting to, to understand the differences between the work done at the surface and, and, and the water. I believe that people don't understand how difficult it is to the, um, develop research projects uh, differently in those, in those subjects. So, um, uh, Hui ha has talked a lot about uh, robotics uh, during the, these, the explaining, explaining these research projects. So Bruno, your, your ground of action is robotics. Uh, how do you think ro robots help bringing, help bringing internet to deep sea 
Uh, and when did you begin to, to work it and realize it was important? Okay. Um, let me first say that, uh, well, traditionally the, uh, uh, in underwater robotics, uh, the communications are seen as a feature to, uh, to, uh, to uh, autonomous underwater vehicles. So uh, we can think of uh, communications like um, devices that we can append to our autonomous vehicles and they can um, take advantage of those devices to communicate um, between uh, them or uh, other uh, entities that may be um, in, the, in, the, in the area. So, but lately we have been exploring the opposite, just like Rui has just explained. And I believe this is some of the, um, the, the topics or the, the research that can help to bring internet to deep sea. Um, and the, the main idea is to use, instead of uh, having autonomous underwater vehicle using uh, communications uh, uh, for many reasons that, that they can uh, use communications, we, we would employ the, the, the AUVs or the robots as means to communicate between two points. But let me explain this a bit more in detail. So, you know, autonomous underwater vehicles are robots and those robots uh, um, carry a set of sensors that are used either for their localization or to um, uh, collect data uh, about or on a given region or environment. And, um, well, they, while they collect the, the data about the environment, sometimes they, are, they need to communicate with their operators to receive uh, high-level comments or to, uh, to, um, to report the status of the mission, for example. Um, well, they can use also communications to, to communicate between, uh, well, if we, if we would have a, a team of robots, they would use communications in order to um, uh, synchronize their actions and achieve a common goal, for example. So in this case, the communications, uh, well, the, the, the autonomous vehicles use the, the, the communication, so they are users of communications. But on the other hand, the robots, as I uh, mentioned first, can be, well, the, the robots can be um, uh, vehicles of information, let's say, to carry data from a given system A to a system B that are far apart. Uh, uh, and in those cases, the robots are physical and real devices that serve as autonomous uh, mobile storage devices that can transport very large amounts of data. And those solutions may be um, faster than the current state-of-the-art solutions and uh, mainly uh, underwater, actually. And basically, this is what we are doing in the Project GROW, uh, Rui just mentioned. Uh, well, it, it should also be noted that uh, while transporting data using robots at the surface may be inefficient and slow, uh, underwater, actually, it could be a very effective way of, uh, of communicating. And the, the main reasons for that are that uh, the traditional solutions for underwater communications use acoustics and they only allow a very uh, small data rate uh, that are unsuited for very large amounts of data that we are collecting nowadays. Um, so 
using the ability of autonomous underwater vehicles to navigate between two points and get closer or get close to those points, we may employ other communications technologies and uh, we have the potential of increasing the data rates. Well, so as far as I can understand up till now, uh, one of the biggest advantages in this uh, exploration on all these research projects is to gather more and more information, right? Uh, about a series of different topics and different information. So, for instance, uh, we cannot even imagine that getting to know the ocean uh, can help us understand better the climate or recognize new mineral richness. Uh, there's a lot of things to, to learn from this exploitation. So, uh, Bruno, what, do you, what are your ambitions in conquering these challenges and getting these answers? Yeah, the problem of exploration is very complex, actually, and it must uh, aggregate um, m multiple disciplines from, from, from knowledge. So, uh, what I mean with that is that engineering alone is unable to provide a full understanding of the ocean, a full picture. Uh, but it can help to provide the necessary tools towards that end. Um, well, for what concerns climate and uh, other dynamic processes, uh, actually, right now, it's, it is really important to collect not only um, data over um, a very large region, but it is also important to collect that data uh, very frequently. So given the scale of the ocean and the, the, the desired sampling frequency, the problem is very, very hardly uh, solved by humans. Um, so it would need very, very complex um, missions with humans and it's very that would be very difficult. And this is not to mention the, the, the costs and the risks uh, of having people at sea. Uh, so we strongly believe that autonomous systems uh, uh, would, will be the solutions for, for this problem, actually. Um, but, of course, uh, th these solutions would imply a very large number of vehicles and they would need to be simultaneously deployed over the ocean. And that would make the, 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 the missions and the, the simultaneous operation of those vehicles very complex. And they, they will not be, or they would not be able to be manually operated given the, the, the number of uh, nodes that we would have over the oceans. Uh, but on the other hand, the, 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 the robots need to stay on in the ocean for a very long time going from a given point to another that are frequently very far apart. And the nature of the mission can be very complex. And uh, it would imply that the vehicle uh, would navigate in very complex environments with obstacles and other mobile platforms such as submarines, ships, or other machines, or animals. And the robots would need to um, avoid them and to, to accomplish their missions successfully. So basically the robots needs to the robots need to be truly autonomous and resilient to be effective and reliable. And there is still a very long way to go. Uh, and I would say that those are the major challenges we, that we are addressing right now at Inesh. And Rui, uh, what about you? What comes next? Yeah. Uh... As Bruno said, and, and going back a bit to, to where I started, uh, 
uh, I think the future, the future for sure will be, uh, uh, we'll have uh, millions of connected, connected devices operating at sea, either at surface or in the water. And uh, the basic, basically the same way we are foreseeing billions of IoT devices connected on land. So for me, this is very, is becoming very clear that we will have a much more devices and autonomous devices in particular, as we, we have said along this, this uh, discussion, uh, that will require connectivity and, and connection to the internet as we are seeing on land. Uh, this will demand new affordable communications technologies that enable high-speed, low-latency, long-range communications, uh, exactly the same way we are demanding on land with 5G at the moment and future wireless technologies. So we can think about uh, an extension of the scenario that we have on land uh, to the sea, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm very much convinced about that. And as an example, uh, think about autonomous ships. This, this is coming to reality at the moment. Uh, Norway, for example, is a country that is uh, pushing this forward quite a lot. And, and these autonomous ships will, will change the maritime transportation paradigm and bring up uh, new uh, communications requirements in, a, in an equivalent way we see on land for autonomous cars and trucks. Uh, and also, we, the, the digitalization that we have and foresee on land will also arrive at the ocean. So I'm, I'm basi basically convinced that we will see, uh, with uh, some delay, uh, the things that we see happening on land will late, sooner or later uh, arrive at the ocean, and we'll, we will need that so that we can, again, survey, monitor, explore, and exploit the ocean. On the other hand, uh, the advent of cost-effective microsatellites and micro-launchers that we, we are seeing nowadays being quite a lot discussed uh, in the community will democratize access to satellites and bring new opportunities and options when it comes to communications and ocean ob observation. I think this is very important and it, it will come up in complement with the, uh, the, the solutions that we, we have been discussing along this this. this uh, this chat. Uh, and, and they will represent an interesting and relevant solution to complement these other solutions, in particular regarding the coverage of vast areas of the ocean, as we, we saw uh, in, the, in my first uh, answer to your question. Uh, I was talking about a, a very huge area that is in, under the sovereignty of Portugal. So we, we need to think about also satellites so that we, we cover vast areas uh, with, with communications and also we, with respect to the observation of the ocean. Uh, uh, yet, th there will, this will only address the problem at the surface. Uh, and, and underwater, there is a great, great need for new approaches and solutions that enable broadband long-range and low-latency communications. Uh, there is a long way to go here, I, I think. So, with the GROW project, for example, that we already uh, talked about, uh, myself and Bruno, we, we are just starting this journey. So we, we are just uh, uh, in the very beginning. So wrapping up, uh, I would leave you with this takeaway. Uh, communications and robotics will be crucial for a sustainable and cost-effective human presence at the ocean. Uh, so to have our eyes and arms at the ocean uh, without being there. And, and the sovereignty over all the Portuguese ter territory will require them 
for surveillance for surveillance monitoring exploration and exploitation of the ocean this is my takeaway for you thank you well, thank you both very much. Uh, so if nothing, uh, today we learned that this uh, ocean economy potential uh, within the next years, of course, tends to, to increase all the activity, right? So uh, we have resource exploitation, uh, environmental monitoring, uh, surveillance of marine borders, apart from all the traditional activities such as, uh, like you talked about, transportation and fisheries. So, last of all, thank you for all the work you have been developing. And uh, let's wait for new research developments and all the, the outcomes and milestones you talked about, both of you. Uh, and to all of you who have been listening to us, uh, we hope this talk was interesting and fulfilling. Uh, we will be meeting soon to talk more about science and technology. So until then, stay safe. Thank you. Inestec and Ingenieria Radio present Inestec Science Pit, a monthly signature dedicated to decode science and technology trends. Inestec Science Bits, decoding science bit by bit. Bit by bit.